Know Your Food with Warty, episode 120. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 120. See you there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalklins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today for Know Your Food with Wardy. This is a very special episode because I'm doing something totally new. I am sitting here right next to my guest, Megan Stevens. She's a longtime friend. We met in college and I'm so thrilled to introduce you to her and her to you. Hi, Megan. Hello. Glad to be here. Me too. And so in honor of Megan being here and because I'll just be up front, we're talking about her brand new cookbook. Um... I want Megan to share the tip of the week. So it's not coming from me today, it's coming from Megan. Sure, so my tip for, um, specifically my cookbook is grain-free, sugar-free, so my tip has to do with that. I recommend with sugar-free baking to use two sweeteners, one of them being stevia. And the reason for that is a lot of people don't like the flavor of stevia or perhaps the flavor of something like honey can be really strong. So by using the two sweeteners together, you achieve the same level of sweetness without getting the flavor of either one. This cuts back on fructose and glucose for those who want to consume less honey or other sweeteners. Um, and you get the texture still from having some of the benefit of something like honey. Great tip. And um, I think, well, I just want to say something for our members, throw this in here really quick, but members of Traditional Cooking School, you know Megan because she popped in as a guest teacher in our allergy-free cooking e-course. She taught the sugar-free lessons, so she definitely knows what she's talking about. Hi, I'm Morty, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems like eczema and food allergies, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com free today. Okay, so that was a great tip of the week, and now I want to tell you a little bit more about Megan. And then, of course, lots of questions. So Megan lives in Oregon with her husband and three children. They're in Eugene, and they own a gut-healing traditional cafe called Vanilla Jill's Scoops and Soups, or Soups and Scoops. Good question. I think we went with the alphabetical order, so I think it's Scoops and Soups. Scoops and Soups, okay. (laughs) And in in spite of the fact that I couldn't remember, um, I've been there and it's wonderful. And they serve 
gut healing food along the lines of Weston A. Price. So it's traditional food. It's a beautiful cafe. They do gluten-free real sourdough waffles, paleo gaps, sandwiches, bone broth soup, grass-fed cream, kefir, coconut milk, and sprouted nut milk ice creams, and grain-free baked goods. It's just a beautiful, wonderful place to eat. Megan loves helping others on their healing journeys, as well as innovating grain-free, sugar-free recipes. She works as a recipe consultant. She takes clients who've been referred to her by doctors and gastroenterologists, and what she does is she helps them implement and succeed on healing diets. So this is going to be great. She has a lot of wisdom to share, and the culmination of all her wisdom is coming out in her new cookbook. Welcome, Megan. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Let's start by um, just learning a little bit more about you. I gave your you know, standard bio that that's all over there, all over the web, and on your book. But I want to get to know you personally, and well, I know you personally. I'd like our readers to get to know you more personally and professionally as well. So why don't sure. you fill in, fill in the gaps and tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, we own the Gut Healing Cafe. My husband and I live on 10 acres of land, and we have three kids. We homeschool them. Um, and I think of A lot of my adult life has been um, nurtured by my love for food. So I've been in the kitchen since I was little with my mom. She was someone that never measured. Um, So making lots of soups and stews and beautiful pasta dishes and salads. And when I started learning that I was unwell in my early 20s, um, my cooking took a turn. And that's really just ended up being a blessing to me in the long run, although you know, suffering and unwellness is never fun. Good things can come out of it. And for me, it it took my cooking to a whole new level and in a different direction than it would have taken it. So I would say a lot of who I am is a woman who loves being in the kitchen and cooking for my family and cooking for the people I love. Um, And that's probably a lot of why we opened the cafe is because I'm so passionate about sharing whole foods, um, especially for those people that need healing. Wonderful. And knowing Megan personally, I can attest to her love for food. We met in college, and at the time we were both vegetarians, and that was bonding. At least it was bonding for me. (laughs) Yes, both of us. (laughs) And, um, of course, that was not the the right diet for each of us, but it was the beginning of our friendship. And, of course, a shared love for the Lord. So we've been special friends for many years, so it's really a thrill for me to introduce you to everyone out there. Thank you. And you have a beautiful story and a beautiful relationship and um, way of working with food. Mm, Thank you. So, but you've been in a bad place actually for a lot of your life. You've been unwell for a lot of your life. And in fact, about five years ago, though it was a misdiagnosis, a doctor told you you had heart disease and you didn't have long to live. But as we're sitting here today, you're nearly well, mm-hmm. and your three children, who've all had issues from birth, are nearly well. Mm-hmm. And so you've had this amazing journey that started very low and is now ending very well. Yes. So can you tell us about that? Sure, sure. So my third child was born in um, April, and in August of that same year, I woke up with some pretty serious chest pains. I'd already had children with extremely bad food allergies. My first child had really serious um, eczema, and my second child could only eat nine foods total until he was seven years old. So he was eating lots of almond butter and jam sandwiches. Even the jam, we had to be careful with. He could only eat, you know, two fruits. 
Um, so he had never tasted salmon or lentils or things with any texture, certain kinds of texture. So I was kind of thrown into parenthood with challenges that I think, you know, a lot of people never think about. And I chose to confront and address those issues perhaps differently than a lot of my friends would have addressed those issues. I, I would say at the time it was very lonely. The counsel I received was he'll outgrow the allergy, just feed him the food. And of course, if I had done that, he would have been ailing, you know, just extreme gastrointestinal pain. Um, so yeah, I was so excited to have our third child, but I also went into that experience with some fear, thinking, my gosh, if my first kiddo had all these food allergies, my next kiddo could only eat nine foods. What's this third child going to bring? Although I very much wanted to have that third baby. Well, what happened with that third birth was actually that my own health really went down quite a bit. So I woke up with these chest pains, was admitted, admitted to ER, and ended up seeing many different heart specialists going through lots of tests and basically was told I didn't have long to live. Um, so I lived with that fear of dying for um, I think about four years. And um, of course, nothing can quite describe that. And every once in a while, my husband and I will now relive that now that I'm well. and you know, we'd start crying all over again because it's kind of an amazing experience to go through. I would write in my kids' baby books as often as I could, just holding back tears as I wrote to them. Um, and yet, I just kept not dying. <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, it was. Wonderfully. Yeah, so the chest pain kept coming. Um, and there was so much stress involved with that, you know, experience, that physical experience. Every time the chest pain came on, not being able to tell my kids what I was experiencing, knowing they could lose their mom at any moment. But, of course, there's something in each of us that wants to press on and that keeps digging and trying to learn and sleuth, as I call it, trying to get to the bottom of things. And I finally connected with a doctor who told me, very quickly, very casually, you're not dying of heart disease. What you're experiencing is in your esophagus. And I said, but it's over to my left side. It's in the place where my heart is, all these other things. He said, one-fifth of the people who are admitted to ER with chest pain have esophageal issues, and they actually have leaky gut. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and so what you're experiencing is actually an extension of leaky gut in your esophagus, and he taught me something called deep belly breathing, which is really easy. And my chest pain never came back. I mean, I would say for the next few weeks, it would come back occasionally. But every time I did the deep belly breathing, it immediately relieved it. And now I never, ever have that symptom. So, I mean, I just wanted to leap off that doctor's bench and hug this man. It was like he gave me back my life in one visit. Um, and then since that point, I... Um, I had already been on the GAPS diet, but he brought me to a new level um, and gave me greater insight. And since that time, um, I've, I've pretty much come to the point where I'm almost well. There's just a few little things, but I've been able to heal myself with different practitioners' help of adrenal fatigue and two autoimmune diseases, um, a bladder disease, arthritis. So we've gotten through quite a few hurdles as well as my kids' health issues. We've managed to heal my daughter's asthma, or at least I should say put it into remission. I think that's a more accurate way of talking about autoimmune diseases. So yeah. Amazing. I wish you all were here. I've had tears and goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just so thankful that Megan is on the other side of that. And so now we're here to celebrate your new book, which 
both it and your cafe really have been our they parallel your health journey. Mm-hmm. I mean, Definitely. the the beautiful foods that you serve at your cafe and that your customers rave about and are helping them are the same foods that have helped you and your family to thrive and love food, even on what a lot of people would fe- they would feel restricted and deprived, but you haven't. Correct. You've been satisfied and you've loved your food. Loving it is in the title of the cookbook, which if I haven't said it yet, it's grain-free, sugar-free, and loving it. Mm-hmm. So what I want to talk about now is, um, well, the fact that the book and your cafe parallel your journey, and they're kind of the culmination of everywhere you've been and what you've learned, so that we understand. I want to get to the heart of why you wrote the book, though, because you could have kept that to yourself. You could have not started a cafe, but you are sharing your journey. You've been very transparent on the healing that you've gone through, and now you have all these beautiful recipes to share in your cookbook. So tell us why. What's sure. behind all this? Sure. Well, I did notice when we first went on the GAPS diet, we were introduced to coconut flour and the almond-type products, almond butter, almond meal, um, almond flour, and we were moderately happy with those. But when I started experimenting Um, with slightly different baking techniques, we really found ourselves so incredibly happy and content that I think it was just like a fountain. I just naturally overflowed and wanted to share those recipes. And when I did, people were like, oh my goodness, this is the best sandwich bread I've ever eaten, or this is the best fill in the blank. And so I think it just, one thing led to another. People requested that I start the blog, people from the cafe, or share certain recipes. Um, And my husband had kind of been telling me for a while, you need to do a cookbook, you know, so I think it just naturally came out of what I was doing at home to share all of that. And like you said, when I first, when we first opened the cafe, it's kind of funny to me now, we opened it with kefir-based frozen yogurt um, that was made with organic sugar because I was doing a traditional Weston A. Price diet. Um, And so that reflected where I was at that point. But... I didn't realize at the time I was totally addicted to sugar. I was eating my own ice cream every day without fail, sometimes twice a day, working long hours. Um, I loved our dark chocolate soft serve kefir frozen yogurt. And so when I started, when I had to eliminate sugar, um, the cafe evolved because now I was doing bone broth, I was doing honey and stevia, and it it just didn't feel natural to me to only dish out sugar to people because it wasn't something that nourished me. And I'm not saying sugar is bad for everyone in every situation, but because it was no longer something that I could do that would, you know, bless my health, I felt like it was only natural to want to share the things that I was excited about. I was still excited about those frozen yogurts because they are beautiful, but these other things I was developing were more exciting to me because they were life-giving and healing to me. Um, And I knew that my city, just like every city in the world, was full of people that were hurting and looking for answers and needing diet, a diet that would help them to heal. And that totally makes sense, going back to what you said about you started it making, using organic sugar, and then your health journey changed direction to going away from sugar. And it totally makes sense that you would want to have your life be reflected into what you're sharing with people and so that you then your soft serve you know beautiful treats would would follow that path too mm-hmm. because it's you're excited about it you want to do what you love so I can see that there would be a disconnect there 
like even if what you were doing before was wonderful it's sort of like that's not where your heart is anymore yes. and you want to you want those paths to stay yes at the same place i mean for your benefit and others benefit yes that totally makes sense well said well um something really cool has come out of your book and of course knowing your family all these years is you have a special word and it is alternatives mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to burst the bubble, so I want you to explain what that word sure. means to you and your family and then how it works into a gut healing diet. Sure. Well, um, as you, any of us have experienced, when you switch to a restrictive diet, you feel deprived in the beginning. And you look at the expressions on your children's faces when you feed them fat, fatty you know, turkey bone broth for breakfast, and they look at you with desperation, and you have got to find an alternative <laughs> to the dry cereal they used to eat, or whatever it is that they're craving and feeling so anxiously sad about missing. And so for me, I've always been someone that loves being in the kitchen. I've always loved innovating. So it was just very natural for me to, you know, pull out my pot, my cauldron, and come up with something new to make these kiddos happy. Um, and so immediately I found that their contentment was based on finding alternatives that would make them happy. And of course my own as well. I was, like I said, eating dark chocolate frozen yogurt every day. I'm like classic for like, you know, big bowl of ice cream after dinner. And I, I, now I don't because I'm not, I'm not addicted to sweets anymore. So I almost never have a sweet after dinner. But there were many years, this healing process has taken me four years. There were many years I needed an alternative, whether it be for Sunday breakfast or a, you know, a, a dessert afterwards or a four o'clock pick-me-up. I needed an alternative. And if I didn't have that alternative, I don't think that we could have persevered on the diet. And certainly not with the same contentment and success. So that ha I have found to be perhaps the most important key is providing recipes for ourselves and hopefully for others through this book that provide alternatives so that they can be successful. And so tell us about your kids and like maybe some of the reactions that they've had all these years when you, you know, you come up with a new alternative. For them. Yes, yeah, oh my goodness, they are the best fans and cheerleaders. Um, I, I, I would say I'm more enthusiastic about food than probably <laughs> most people. So they have gotten that from me, especially my <laughs> eldest daughter, but all three of them. I talk about food a lot. It's very much a part of how our family um, gets excited. So yeah, so they've, they've gleaned enthusiasm about food in general. So then when I present them with something, um, I think they receive it that way as if it's a gift and they get you know really excited and give me lots of verbal feedback. Um, so I joke that I've fed them more chocolate than most wise mamas would, just <laughs> even in terms of, you know, recipe experimentation. I got over my sugar addiction before I got over my chocolate addiction, so <laughs> I would often make them chocolate when I wanted it myself, um, and they're all big fans. So yeah, it's been really fun, actually, to have them with me on this journey. You know, we're, I homeschool, so we're home a lot together, and, you know, getting to make them a special baked good is, is really fun. And that you have not had to give that up. Yes, good on point. This journey. Mm -hmm, good point. Yeah, because I think all parents relate to their children in that way. Even if it's a mom or dad buying their kid a popsicle at the grocery market, we, right. you know, we as parents, it's like Christmas. We like giving our kids gifts. Right. We like seeing them happy. But there's a whole other element or component when it's completely guilt free and it actually nourishes them as well. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really quite fun to be able to give them treats that are good for them. And one thing we've talked about is the fact that if it's 
a nourishing treat, so one of the alternatives you've come up with mm-hmm. is that it's actually satisfying. Yes. Whereas like that ice cream, you know, from the ice cream shop, mm-hmm. you, you can't really eat enough to be satisfied, for the sweet tooth to be satisfied. That's right. Yeah, I used to, people used to say things like, oh, this frosting is too sweet for me. And I would think, what are they talking about? (laughs) Nothing's ever too sweet for me. Or someone would say, just give me a small slice of cake. And I'd be thinking, the bigger the better. I just hope I can hold it all in, you know. (laughs) I could never have enough before. So I feel so liberated and thankful to be free of that. And to be able to, you actually enjoy things more, you know, when you're not addicted Mm -hmm. to them. You just relax and enjoy it. Yeah, because the craving doesn't take hold of you. Right. Make you want more, 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 more. You're in the moment. Every bite is satisfying. Yes. And when you're done, after a modest serving, yeah. that, that feels good. Yeah, you're done and you feel satisfied. Yeah. So one of the special things about your book is that you're teaching a brand new, well, brand new for most of us, mm-hmm. grain-free baking technique. And what's special about it are two things. First, the texture that ends up, and it's that texture that gives your breads at your cafe that amazing soft bread texture that your customers rave about. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that it's actually more digestible. Yes. Like the, the breads and baked goods you're making. Um, so can you talk about that? Sure. So I think most of us come to grain-free baking um, using either almond butter or coconut flour or almond meal. Um, Almond butter is great. I mean, it makes a great chocolate chip cookie. There's a lot of good recipes out there with almond butter. My struggle with it early on was that it's usually not sprouted when you buy homemade, when you buy store-bought almond butter. It's not sprouted. So it's just ironic because here we are on a healing diet inundating our bodies with something that is hard to digest. Yeah. So it really, you're, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by buying and using that product in baked goods. So my goal was to create a technique that was much more digestible, but it, it kind of just all came together um, naturally that it... Um, Mm-hmm. Okay, let me think. Um, I can just ask the question again. Sure, or I can just start either way. I think I can do it. Okay. Okay. I think a lot of us come to the grain-free baking world using ingredients like coconut flour or almond products, um, and they both turn out a fairly good product, although we felt that coconut flour created a little bit too much of a dry crumb, although I think you can get over that with, you know, using it in conjunction with other flour substitutes. Um, And I I didn't really love the almond options because almonds are very high in omega-6s, a lot of times they're rancid, and then um, they're not sprouted most often. So you can make your own homemade almond butter to get around that. Um, but again, that's a lot of work. And so I think one of the things a lot of people who go on grain-free, sugar-free diets long for is convenience. You know, you don't always want to have to spo- soak, sprout your nuts, dehydrate them, and then grind them into flour. Right. So the technique, one of the reasons I like it is that it's fast and easy. But in addition to that, like you said, it's easy to digest and it creates a great texture. So it's a triple win. Yeah. So the technique originally came from Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride in the cookbook that she created. Um, to use with the GAPS diet. She has one recipe where she uses this technique and she soaks sunflower seeds um, to sprout them. But then instead of rinsing them off and dehydrating, she rinses them off and leaves them wet. And then she purees them with eggs and other things to create a wet batter. 
So when my daughter and I first made her sunflower seed cake out of her cookbook, we noticed the difference. The cake was so moist. It was more like a banana bread. Totally superior to coconut flour typed baked goods, especially if coconut flour is used exclusively um, and, and more nutritious, obviously, right. than the almond butter type options. Um, plus the nutrition, your body is able to assimilate it. You know better so you get more nutrition out of the baked good as well so but at that time we were a little superficial we were just happy about the texture you know <laughs> that it tasted better than the other things we've been doing so I decided um, to experiment with that concept and to create a lot of other recipes using that same technique so in my cookbook I love using all different nuts which is great variety is so good for us nutritionally um, but this method works great with the least expensive seeds as well. So sunflower seeds are a great option because they're very economical. But um, like in our cafe and at home, we use cashews, we use pine nuts, we use walnuts. But basically what we're doing is we're soaking the nuts overnight in salt water to reduce enzyme inhibitors and um, phytates. And then in the morning, we rinse the nuts off. You don't have to grind the wet nuts into a flour. You just throw them in whole into the blender. And then grain-free baking in general is really easy. You throw in your eggs or um, your egg, you know, alternative, maybe some honey and stevia, your, your fat of choice, um, and you puree it. And the batter, it makes sense. It's a wet batter, so it makes sense that it would stay moist. Whereas if you start out with a dry ground up nut, you're really never going to get back to that same moistness that a wet batter will provide. So yeah, I'm grateful for the example she set and I'm thankful to be able to share these recipes that expound on that idea. So we have in the cookbook um, scones, pancakes, all kinds of things that use this technique. And I think if I remember the timeline right, you spent about three years working on it and creating all these alternatives Yes. Um, for different baked goods. Yes, exactly. Wonderful. Yes. Well, I want to walk away as we wrap up um, asking you to give some encouragement to sure. people that are listening. I think a lot of our listeners are at least aware of um, the gut health connection, and a lot of them are on the path of pursuing various gut healing diets. And probably without exception, um, there's this idea that, and we've mentioned it already, that a restrictive diet can make you feel deprived. You can, you know, not enjoy your food. You can, you know, you just, yes. you just, you don't enjoy it like you did before. You don't enjoy food like you did before. We've certainly experienced that in our family. It's just, you know, you hit a wall and you're like, I don't want to eat that again. Yes. So um, what I'd like to do is ask you for your encouragement. So like your number one tip or technique or something you can give to everybody who's listening who may be in that position where, um, they're not loving their food, to, right. to take that from the title of your cookbook, but we want them to be loving it. Yes. So what, what would you tell them? Sure. Well, the subtitle of the cookbook is Grain-Free, Sugar-Free, and Loving It. The main title is the title of my blog and Facebook page, which is Eat Beautiful. And I would say that name came to me organically. It just was born out of what I was doing because I believe that is the emphasis, is creating beautiful food. So taking that little bit of extra love and creativity to first of all buy beautiful ingredients. And I know a lot of people have told me they're on a tight budget. So this is gonna look different for different people. It might be going into your garden, you know, to pick 
fresh peas, tomatoes, or raspberries. It might be going to the farmer's market knowing you only have $10 in an envelope, but finding something there that will enliven the whole meal. And an easy one, an easy go-to is fresh herbs. So like fresh basil, fresh tarragon. Adding that to any meal is gonna add beauty to the meal. And then talking about the food while you're eating it with your family. Um, so making a beautiful presentation, that might be instead of just having soup, you make muffins to go with the soup. And, you know, with your salad, you top it with nasturtiums. You know, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of things we can do um, to, to help elicit that response in each of us of appreciation so that what we create is more beautiful. Another thought comes to mind in terms of when we create uh, soups on the intro diet of gaps, you could just overcook a bunch of veggies and meat, throw it in a bowl and call it breakfast. Ah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> and we all know what kind of response that will get from our kids or from ourselves. But what about if you puree half of the vegetables with some kind of an herb, pour them into the bowl, um, you know, soft boil an egg, cut it in half, present it to one side, um, and kind of basically create a composed soup with herbs and the puree, the bisque, the egg, whatever meat you might have cooked, and create a beautiful presentation instead of just dumping a bunch of overcooked things in a bowl. Start thinking about how you can make it life-giving and beautiful aesthetically. It does sound beautiful. What strikes me is I know you, and I know, you know your family has your business, you also homeschool. Mm -hmm. You have not felt well for a long time. And so the ideas you're giving here don't sound very complicated. They don't sound like you have to be a gourmet cook, slaving mm -hmm. away in the kitchen for hours. It's just adding a little bit more to the yes. presentation or the composition of the dish. And it can make the world of difference to loving your diet rather than you know not looking forward to the next meal. Yes, well said. Well, um, we are to the point now where I want you to tell us more about your book. Sure. So give us some details. What kind of recipes can people find? What's sure, in it? sure. Yeah, there is definitely um, some encouragement and inspiration in the book. I talk a little bit about um, different diets and what those diets are like. So although I've been on GAPS, I also talk a little bit about anti-candida diets, about paleo, about AIP, um, and certainly Weston A. Price. And then it has a pretty traditional layout. So I start with pancakes and waffles. I go into muffins and scones, um, cookies, bars, cakes. My favorite chapter is the toppings chapter. Mm. So um, I love, you know, chocolate creme fraiche and homemade berry compote and you know, just all the gooey things that can be put on top of cakes. And again, and this is part of making food beautiful, exactly. right? Exactly. Yes, yes. And I mean, if you want to elicit responses from your family, you know, condiments is where it's at. Because mm -hmm. condiments are full of flavor, full of texture. They're the things that make our taste buds go zing. So yeah, I love the toppings chapter. That's my favorite one. Um, there's also a chapter on um, savory foods. So like casseroles, um, easy egg dishes. Um, and then a chapter for kids, easy treats to make for kids or yourself. But you know, things that use gelatin or parfaits, but basically easy to assemble quick treats. And those are really handy, especially with what I was talking about earlier, when you want to create a beautiful meal, sometimes, frankly, you know you can't. Sometimes you're going to have, sorry kiddos, we're just having pea soup for lunch or whatever. <laughs> pea soup sounds pretty bad. But, you know, something that's just no fun. But just so you know, kiddos, I've got this 
blackberry panna cotta in the fridge waiting for us afterwards. Um, so it can be used kind of like a carrot for the kids that, you know, let's all be cheerful through our pea soup because afterwards we get blackberry panna cotta. So there's a chapter at the end um, that's just for kids and families and those people who need a quick, easy treat. Um, and then in the back of the book, there's some resources on where to get things and definitions. So if someone doesn't know what something is, I have a pretty lengthy definition section that gives just basic definitions as well as lengthier for those who prefer to read on. Um, just to, you know, introduce certain ingredients that might not be familiar to everyone. And I hope, I hope all in all that the cookbook meets two different groups' needs. One, people who want something that's easy and simple, you know, and then there are other cookbooks other recipes that would be maybe a little bit more complex or gourmet so hopefully it meets both of those people's needs. I can definitely see it doing that and I want just to share with everybody that you can find Megan's book at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash Megan. You can also find links um, to her book and social media and stuff at the show notes knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 120. Um, we're going to wrap up just by Megan sharing a little bit about a special package she has for you with the cookbook. Sure. And that's at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash Megan. So you can check it out while she's talking or save it for a little bit later. But tell us what you got, Megan. Sure. So if you choose to buy the ebook, I'm throwing in five additional bonus videos. And four of those videos are bonus recipes that are not included in the cookbook. So um, I'm really excited to just be able to share additional recipes um, with you as well as share who I am and what my kitchen looks like and how things roll. Um, so those are really fun videos with four new recipes that aren't in the cookbook. And then the fifth video is me talking about the grain-free baking technique that is relatively new. Um, I really have not seen it utilized anywhere. The vegan raw community does puree soaked yes. wet nuts, right? But then they don't go on and bake them to get that right bread texture. So I really haven't seen this anywhere, and I talk about that in the video. Great. It's going to be a wonderful package. Um, I just want to share that, you know, I've known Megan a long time, so obviously I'm one of her biggest cheerleaders. But this is truly a wonderful book. Um, when you get it, I wrote the foreword, so you'll be able to read, you know, my heart message about the book. But I just cannot recommend it highly enough. I know that the Traditional Cooking School and Know Your Food with Warty audience, a lot of us are similar. We may not have been on our deathbed like Megan, but we all have family members, or we ourselves have had varying degrees of, you know, gut issues or gut healing necessary. And I'm thrilled to be at the point where I can point someone to a cookbook mm -hmm. because I know, you know, I've answered lots of questions over the years and people asking, what can I do? And I can tell them about the GAPS book, which is groundbreaking and wonderful. I can tell them about, you know, um, an intro guide that a friend has written. I haven't been able to tell anybody about a cookbook yet. Nice. So this is wonderful. And whether it's GAPS or anti-Candida or, you know, you just want to, or you've got a few food allergies of the common ones and you just want some more ideas, you know, those alternatives or those beautiful foods that we've been talking about, you really need to snap up Megan's package. So Megan, we're going to wrap up here. It's been wonderful visiting with you. And as I said at the beginning, it's a special treat because you're right here in person. I don't yes. get to do podcasts like this very often. <laughs> it's been fun for me. 
and and we live an hour apart or you know hour and 15 minutes apart we don't get to see each other often enough mm-hmm. so today we've recorded a podcast oh and i don't want to um wrap up without telling you we also have two videos for you so if you go to the show notes knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 120 um i'll either have links or perhaps just embed the videos right there one of the videos we're talking and you can see Megan in person. Well, not in person, but you can see her in addition to hearing her sharing about her family's health story. And, you know, we're just we're just conversing about the book. And then another video where she actually, because today she brought some of her sandwiches on this wonderful bread and she brought brownies. <laughs> and we talked about the recipes and you could see the foods and I tasted them and they're wonderful. So... Um, just a lot, a lot of ways for you to um, connect with Megan and this groundbreaking book. So, okay, so it's time to wrap up. So, Megan, we're just going to say goodbye now, but um, just tell people where they can find you. Sure. So, my blog is eatbeautiful.net, and then I also have a Facebook page, which is Eat Beautiful. Great. And I'll have links to all that in the show notes. Knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 120. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and thank you, Megan. Thank you. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then, without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.